Hey, thanks for listening to My Wife Hates Sports. My name is Lyric. I'm here to talk to Chargers football mostly every week. Talking a little bit of NBA, a little bit of fantasy football along the way. Get in on halftime. We're doing it every week. I'll put the announcements up each week of what time we're going to be on. All right, here we go. Week two of the NFL is now in the books. Um, some teams 2-0, some teams 0-2, most teams 1-1. Um, you see a lot of stats of teams that start 0-2 have this percent chance to make the playoffs, but that's not considering you know the 17th game added. Uh, these teams that go 2-0 have this percent chance to make the postseason. It, you kind of have to throw all that stuff out at this point, adding the extra game. All the numbers are going to change from this point on. Uh, but here in the AFC West, the Raiders and the Broncos are both 2-0. Chargers Chiefs 1-1. One one. It's going to be a super competitive division. I think most people expected the standings at this point to be reverse um, with the Broncos and Raiders not being as promising preseason, but uh, they're good teams. They have competent quarterbacks, decent coaching staffs, and uh, they seem to be really competitive this year. Raiders... We've seen the trend over the last few years with John Gruden and this uh, regime that they can get off to a hot start, but normally after around their bye week, it starts to unravel, and then they'll finish the season with uh, a string of losses. So not to be too low on the Raiders now, but we'll see. Keep it, keep it up, Raiders. Nice to see Henry Ruggs is playing in the NFL these days, though. That first-round pick really paying off. Okay, I want to start out. I'm going to talk about Chargers, obviously, for the majority of this, but wanted to start out talking about my QB tiers right now and, and kind of how I view the landscape of the league. And then I'll finish up talking about some fantasy and we'll have a lot of chargers between. Wanted to start off with the guys that I view as the reason that their team can win a Super Bowl. So if this team wins a Super Bowl, this guy, 99 out of 100 times, this is the person that's going to get the Super Bowl MVP. Um, they're the best player on their team. You think you have a chance because this guy is the signal caller. Uh, it's Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that I view in the league are the best player on their team. If they win a Super Bowl, these are the they are the reason why. Tom Brady goes without saying. Mahomes don't need much explanation there. We can move on past those two. It's just incredible that Brady's still at this level and. The Bucks look even better this year than they were last year. Uh, Mahomes, he is what he is. Russell Wilson starts off the season always hot. You know, we'll get the MVP chatter. We'll get the guys never gotten to vote for MVP. In the playoffs, things haven't broken his way the last few years. And that's just what he needs. He just needs to get into the postseason for there to be some sort of uh, mishap or injury or call in their favor for them to advance to the next round. This guy is the real deal. He's good enough to be the best player on a Super Bowl winning team. And, you know, he wasn't the Super Bowl MVP when he did win the Super Bowl, but he's a he's a much more skillful player now. Um, obviously has a lot of experience under his belt. One of the best dudes in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is uh, a hot topic, especially after they had that great Sunday night game against the Chiefs. I'm really happy for Lamar. Um, he is a guy who a lot of people criticize, and rightfully so. He is not the best thrower of the pigskin while playing the quarterback position in the NFL. 
but he is the best athlete by far at the position. It's not even close. His elusiveness, his ability to get downfield, his acceleration burst out of the pocket is insane. Like I'm not even sure if, if Michael Vick had that type of burst. Obviously he did, and his elusiveness was amazing, but I think Lamar is uh, maybe a half step better than what Vick was at his prime. But Vick had a much better arm. Vic had a laser. He could throw it down the field on dime. Lamar is not there. He's overthrowing guys by 10 yards, 5 yards, missing open targets, doesn't have a great touch on the ball. But when you watch a Ravens game, it looks different from any other game in the NFL. No one's running like wishbone two, three running backs. The quarterback is also just as much of a running threat, if not more than the running backs themselves. Uh, they have average receivers and a cycle of running backs cycling in and out. Um, and this guy just drives the ship. Uh, he's been really impressive to me. And uh, he can get it done. He can get it done for sure. The thing is, in the playoffs, is that his style of play doesn't work well when they're trying to cut into a lead, obviously. We've seen this over his career. That he struggles playing from behind. Um, so they'll have to play great defense and uh, you know get ahead early. I really think Lamar has the capability to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, at least one in his career, if not more. Josh Allen, it was a shaky week one, <laughs> a lot better of a week two. I think that's more what we expected. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stars didn't play in preseason. So this is kind of like the preseason for a lot of guys. Shaking off the rest, getting back into the rhythm, adjusting to the speed of the defense, all those things. Josh Allen will be just fine. I think he's still a, a candidate for MVP this year, and that's a great team around him, but I think he is the best player on that team and will be the reason whether they win or lose, and I think he can win a Super Bowl in his career. Justin Herbert, bias aside, you know, you can read or listen to anything that anyone else says about this guy who has no alliance to the Chargers, generational talent, uh, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, depending on who you consider a young quarterback you know first couple seasons this guy's the real deal the first couple weeks he hasn't lit up the stat sheet like we were used to seeing last week or last year but you know <laughs> he had two called back touchdowns a handful of penalties that you know took a lot of yards off the board this last week Brandon Staley the coach after said you know if those penalties were taken out this is a 500 plus day um, for Justin Herbert and you know that would be like three or four touchdowns at that point if some real ticky-tack penalties we'll get to that later Justin Herbert has the ability to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback and be the best player on that team Dak Prescott I think he's a he's a really natural leader been really impressed with what I've seen from him this year coming back off injury obviously the Chargers defense was able to contain him without letting him uh, light up the sheet too much and you know, didn't let him throw for any touchdowns, but Dak's a legit quarterback. He deserves to be in that elite tier, um, top 10 on anyone's list. Aaron Rodgers is the last guy in that tier for me, just because of all the uncertainty. You know, he wasn't even sure if he was going to play football again, or let alone for the Packers this year until, you know, however many handful of weeks ago. So the week one can probably be thrown out. Week two, really weak opponent with the Lions. Weeks three and four, I think we'll get an accurate depiction of what this Packers team is going to look like this year. Obviously, Aaron Jones having a fantasy uh, all-time game yesterday. The other thing with Rodgers is we don't know. Let's say this is the last year 
he's going to be in Green Bay. Who knows where he goes next year, whether it's like Broncos, Raiders, or some other team. We don't know where Rodgers is going to end up, so I don't know if he gets back to another Super Bowl. If I were to bet over-under on uh, 0.5 more Super Bowl wins, I would probably bet the under. I don't think he's going to get another one, but he's definitely good enough and deserves to be in that top category. So the elite quarterbacks in my mind, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers. This next tier is a shorter list. I think it's guys that can win a Super Bowl if their team is built right and everything breaks their way. So they're not the best player on their team. They probably wouldn't win Super Bowl MVP, but they're good enough to get there. Here's the guys. I think it's Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, and whoever's playing quarterback for the 49ers, whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, as long as he doesn't end up to be, you know, terrible. He's a wild card at this point. But Jimmy G, obviously, we saw that he was, you know, just a throw away from winning a Super Bowl. Baker, that is the perfect team for him. It's just built the right way, two stud running backs, great other weapons around him, solid defense. Once things get a little dicey, a little shaky for Baker, when he has to come up clutch, he doesn't really have that yet. Um, and I think Tannehill, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford are kind of in that same boat where like they definitely have the ability. Things kind of need to be uh, served served up for them the right way. You know, If Matt Stafford was that good, he would have won a playoff game his entire Lions career. Kyler definitely has all the ability. I'm just not sure that he's clutch. Obviously, he's got the Hail Mary last year to Hopkins. Same with Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure that you can trust this guy in like a super big moment. But I wouldn't rule out a Super Bowl for these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, you know, you close your eyes and you can kind of picture Baker Mayfield holding up a Lombardi trophy or Matt Stafford. You can kind of see it. They're definitely not the best guys. They probably won't be the reason why they win, but they're not going to screw it up too bad, and they're good. My long shots. I would be surprised if these guys won a Super Bowl, but it wouldn't like destroy everything I think I know about football in the NFL. Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kirk Cousins. These guys are all good quarterbacks. No one is putting them top 10, except someone put Derek Carr top 5, I saw. can't remember who that was. I think they uh, are reading into the 2-0 start a little too much. Um, they're good. Kirk Cousins is kind of hot and cold. Either way, but if he gets on a hot streak in the playoffs, he's definitely good enough to win, you know, four or five games in a row. Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Conservative, uh, not going to push the ball downfield. He's not going to screw it up for you either. He's a big boy. He's an adult. He can get it done if, if things are really built around him the right way, and I think Derek Carr has the ability as well. Um, definitely wouldn't think that I can put the team on his back, but he, He's off to a great start right now, as he has been in years past. You know, he was one of the MVP candidates a few years back before getting hurt. Didn't get to see him in the playoffs. Those are my long shots, just those three guys. This is the list of guys that I think have no chance winning a Super Bowl in their current team situation or just their ability. They're just not good enough. It's Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Tyrod Taylor, Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz. Tua Tungavailoa, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, James Winston, and Matt Ryan. The guys I think have the best chance out of that list would be Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, maybe under different circumstances, maybe a different team or a greatly improved roster and coaching staff. I think they have ability, but I wouldn't peg them as guys that I expect 
to win a Super Bowl at all. Uh, Tyrod just can't stay healthy, man. Like he's out after a game and a half again this year for you know the foreseeable future. Just bad luck. He's he would kind of be similar to Teddy Bridgewater for me, although he's definitely more athletic but really conservative and just kind of makes the right decisions. Ben is done. He's washed. They got to find a new quarterback. Carson Wentz can't stay healthy, can't protect himself. At some point, it's, you know, to only a certain degree is it bad luck. And then eventually you kind of have to take control of that and do what you got to do to make sure you don't get hurt. Two of the same thing. Um, Goff played in the Super Bowl when everything was perfect for him, um, but came up short. Daniel Jones, I think, is good enough to keep a starting job in the NFL, but definitely would be surprised if, if he had a lot of playoff success in his career. Heineke's a bit of a wild card. Maybe he could be like a career uh, kind of Fitzpatrick guy and just play on a lot of different teams and fill in for a lot of guys. I kind of see uh, Gardner Minshew doing that. Jameis Winston, it's just real hot and cold right now. You know, the first week he only had like 14 completions Less than 150 yards, I think, and five touchdowns. So that was kind of a little bit smoke and mirrors, a little bit of a week one anomaly. And then this last week was not good. Uh, Matt Ryan's old. They'll be on the search for a new quarterback soon enough. So most of those teams are looking for either a new quarterback or their guy's really young and unproven. But to me, none of those guys have a chance. Then we just have the five rookies, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. The best situations are obviously Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Um, Patriots still has Belichick for however much longer he wants to coach. And Trey Lance has a great situation in, in San Francisco. But Justin Fields, I think, is maybe the most talented from an athletic perspective. Um, but put on the Bears, it's just hard to envision him having a ton of postseason success. He could barely close out this game last week when they had a, a massive lead over the Bengals. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously the, the best prospect since Luck or Manning, however you want to put that. But Jacksonville's kind of a train wreck right now, and that's going to be real tough. Obviously the worst situation by far is Zach Wilson. feel bad for the guy. Everyone's killing him after two games. But just look at what Sam Darnold's doing right now. So Sam Darnold is in his own category for me. It's a I-have-no-idea category, where he played a handful of years on the Jets and was awful, terrible but then gets to the Panthers and starting off the season pretty good and winning games and throwing for a lot of yards and not making as many mistakes, has good weapons around him, a good coaching staff. So these guys that are in really rough situations like a Zach Wilson or maybe like Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts or you know Trevor Lawrence, these guys have ability. They just got to be put in the right situation. But if they were as good as Mahomes – or if they were as good as Brady or Russell Wilson, they would probably make it happen regardless. So they're not at that level, but maybe they're good enough to have success under different circumstances. So those are my tiers, kind of separating these guys into groups just based on if you're running the team, are you really confident in your quarterback? Or are you just kind of okay with them? Or are you on the search for a new one? So that's kind of how I break it down. So those are my tiers. I'll keep updating that. You know, we get new results each week and guys look a little different each week, but I feel pretty good about that right now. Kind of where I have these guys laid out, but you never know what can change anytime. I think Lamar has proven himself to uh, have a seat at the table in the elite QB room. I feel good about that one. Kyler's on the border. He's knocking at the door. I'm not sure if they're letting him in yet. And same with Stafford. We just saw too much bad 
over the years in in Detroit for Stafford to just be put in as you're going to the Super Bowl and you're going to win MVP now. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Chargers game. Is this the same old Chargers? I didn't think so after week one, but I don't know if we can escape this weird aura that's around the Chargers and referees and bad calls and red zone mistakes and late game errors. I thought we had escaped it, but it came back this week. In our quote-unquote home opener where it was about 70% Cowboys fans, first Cowboys drive, Got the P.I. when Amari Cooper runs into Kaiser White on third and two. That just got off, got us off to a great start in the game with the referees. Um, that was an interesting call, I guess, technically sure. But, I mean, Amari ran into the linebacker, so interesting. I, I was really impressed with Tony Pollard. You know, I have a, a few Cowboys fans in my circle, and an uncle that's a big Cowboys fan. And when Pollard got that first touch, and I said, hey, your best running back just scored. That's awesome. Uh, shot at Zeke but Pollard his just effort and his energy and burst is just so much more impressive to me than what Zeke is Zeke had a few good runs in the game obviously but I just feel like Zeke just kind of is in low power mode too often doesn't seem to want it bad enough as other guys do Herbert's first pick to Diggs that was just bad ball placement I think uh, Keenan had minimal separation could have been complete if it was you know, placed more on the outside, but it is what it is. He's going to have a few of those. Asante Samuel Jr. gets his first interception. He gets that interception because of his play style. The ball was not, you know, I'm not even really sure who that ball was going to. It was between like two or three guys. And normally that's just an incompletion if it's thrown like middle of nowhere. But because Asante's play style is so quarterback-focused, Similar to his dad, you know, they mentioned this in the game where he just always has his eyes on the quarterback. So that's kind of his mentality is I'm playing the quarterback first, looking where he's looking, and trying to make a play on the ball. And his ball skills are elite. From a second-round pick, and he's the second-highest-graded corner in the league right now to Jalen Ramsey, getting his first interception, I expect to see a lot more of those. And I like the return. I like the run back. Uh, I just love it. His PFF grades are off the charts right now. Asante could be Defensive Rookie of the Year if uh, we vote it right. Let's get on that. Um, Zeke gets a touchdown. Our run defense has not been great. I think we get a little bit too happy with a lot of DBs on the field, especially in run situations. I don't think it would be a bad idea for the defense to put in Drew Tranquil alongside Kaiser White and Kenneth Murray. Uh, those three guys, I think Tranquil's a, a great gap filler, run stopper. He's a big effort guy, and you just really need a whole lot of effort to stop the run, to fill gaps, and to be aggressive and wrap up and tackle. So I think maybe in run situations, probably pull out the nickel or dime corner and throw in another linebacker to uh, fill those gaps because our run defense has not been impressive through two weeks. Mike Williams gets the touchdown. That was a sweet play. He's on pace for a monster year, and we've not given him an extension. If I were to guess, I would say we franchise tag him after this year, see if he can stay healthy for this year and next year, and then give him a contract next year if we like him and if Josh Palmer doesn't develop into like a steady wide receiver two role because Herbert seems to be favoring Mike Williams way more this year than he did last year. Grand Mike Williams seems to be really healthy and really – uh, dialed in this year. I love to see it. So interesting call by the coaching staff. 
we get the touchdown. We have a field goal already. So the score is 14 to nine. Cowboys have two touchdowns. We have a six point touchdown and a field goal. And we decide to go for two. Most coaching staffs would just kick the field goal and it'd be 14 10. And then you're in a four point game. So if field goal doesn't cut it, then you have to go for touchdown. Going for two in this situation is really smart, and I'm, I expect to see it a lot more now based on how analytics have infiltrated their way into the NFL. But we go for two and we make it, so now it's 14-11. So now we can tie with a field goal, or we can take a four-point lead with a touchdown. So that's next-level coaching right there. We ended up tying it at 14 with another field goal, so it kind of worked out the right way. I never really want to see 10 on the scoreboard because then if the other team's getting touchdowns, you're just in a tough spot where, you know, a field goal doesn't do much for you. Tristan Vizcaino hits the upright before the half, and then we get the C.D. Lamb to Zeke play, which uh, I think made every Chargers fan's heart stop for a moment. You never really think those are going, but then, you know, it just kind of happens sometimes, and it lines up, and if they had better downfield blocking, that's probably a touchdown, but that was a crazy play, and I did not enjoy it. Donald Parham touchdown gets called back for a ticky-tack hold. It's kind of one of those things where you can, you know, you always hear the saying, you can throw a holding flag on every play if you really wanted to. That one just kind of looked more obvious, and it, you know, the defender kind of sold it well. That's a touchdown that gets called off the board, and that was a, a good play call, a good design to get Parham open deep. Eckler then gets that insane one-hand one hand catch, almost gets concussed, was able to come back in the game. That was a sweet play. Uh, and then we have Herbert's second pick due to Keenan Allen falling down. So it's kind of similar to Zach Wilson getting killed for all his interceptions. Like, well, look at each of the interceptions and see like kind of what happened on those plays. You can't just look at the box score and see, oh, four picks, this guy sucks, get him out. Um, Herbert has two picks in the game, but this one... Keenan falls, and it's just kind of a timing route. Like, we're used to seeing Phil, when he played through with so much anticipation all the time, he would throw the ball before the guy even made a break, before the receiver even broke his route off at the top. So when a guy falls on his break, you're already throwing that ball. And Herbert and Keenan seem to have such good chemistry right now to where it's not really surprising that um, the ball's already coming out as Keenan's making his break. So it's just going to happen from time to time, but it sucks, <laughs> especially when they put up the little graphic that says, Justin Herbert never thrown an interception in the red zone. It's like, well, here it is. There it is. Perfect timing. So Cowboys go up 17-14. The Jared Cook touchdown. This one hurt. Uh, the ref said 84 and 81 moved at the same time, did not reestablish position. So they messed up the number, I hope, because Cook's number 87. Um, Mike Williams, obviously number 81, he did not motion. He literally checked with the ref to make sure he was off the ball. And then the flag was thrown super late, like after the touchdown was even scored. That was just disgusting refereeing. Yes, Cook motioned in as Mike Williams was establishing like his position off the ball. But when you check with the ref, you know, you kind of always get that head nod if you, if you ever played receiver in high school or whatever level, like you go out, either you're on the ball or you're off the ball and you point to the referee and they look at you and nod their head. They're not supposed to throw a flag after you check with them. You're supposed to be, you know, in good shape after that. But Mike steps back as Cook is motioning over and Mike wasn't even, had nothing to do with the play. He's on the opposite side of the field. He didn't even run a route. 
the player was going to the opposite side. He literally didn't do anything. That was just disgusting. So then after that, Herbert obviously should have thrown the ball away as he's backtracking. And they call a sack, but they never even blew the play dead. As he's backtracking, throws the ball late, doesn't get back to the line of scrimmage. So I don't know if they would have called grounding. He's out of the pocket. I don't know if a receiver was in the area. I don't know what they would have called. But they called a sack which ended up being an 18-yard loss when they never even blew the whistle that I heard. And I guess their thought process was like, this is like forward progress, like he's inevitably being sacked. If that was the case, that was the fastest whistle whistle that I've ever witnessed because that for sure was not a sack. Um, if you want to call grounding and give us reasonings, whatever, but definitely not a sack. So back-to-back awful refereeing. At that point, the Cowboys get the ball back with just enough time to get down the field and uh, win the game. So here's my question. Do we need referees on the field? My proposal is that we need one ref on the field to spot the ball and to make calls that are coming to him from a headset from people that are not on the field. The technology at this point in the world does not uh, warrant the need for human referees to be on the field making calls off what they think happened from their memory. We can literally place a chip in every game ball that can track through the sideline, through technology, and know exactly where to spot the ball. There's already so many cameras in the stadium. Why can't a camera just be on wherever the guy's knee goes down and then the chip on the ball puts it right at the yard line and the one referee goes up and spots the ball? Every call after every play, they can just send an alert down to the referee and say, hey, there's an obvious flag on this play. Go ahead and stop it and make the call. Make the adjustment. We don't need refs on the field because too many calls are missed that are important and too many bad calls are being made. I totally understand the need for referees back in the leatherhead days where you know guys are just playing in a parking lot <laughs> and uh, you, you need some referees to make calls and kind of make sure the game's in check. But at this point... I don't think, I'm not saying fire the guys either because, you know, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but put them in different situations where they're up in a booth watching a screen and they can make calls down to that specific ref to uh, make calls and place the ball. I don't see why that's that hard. I think it just, it would obviously take a lot of money and effort to get it that way. But if that limited mistakes, then we'd have far less ticky-tack calls, you know, just calls that make good impacts on the game either way. Too many big calls missed and too many bad calls made. I think technology is too advanced these days for us to be uh, living this way. We don't need that. So like I touched on earlier, the AFC West is obviously going to be super competitive this year. We got the Chiefs in week three. It's going to be a crazy game. I'm a little bit upset. I'm happy the Ravens won. Like I said, I'm, I'm happy Lamar finally beat the final boss in the video game and you know, beat Mahomes after being 0-3 or whatever he was against them. But now the Chiefs are going to stop messing around. The Chiefs have been in this habit of kind of cruising, coasting through games until the fourth quarter, and they've been really good at flipping on a switch and going and winning the ball game uh, in the last minute. It's been terrible for gambling because they never cover. They only win by like two or three points every game um, when they're favored by like seven or eight. But now I think we're going to see a different Chiefs team. They're probably going to be pissed off after they were embarrassed on uh, Sunday Night Football in primetime. Now they're going to play the Chargers, and they're probably going to put way more effort in. So it's going to be a tough win for the Chargers if we can pull it off. But we get Herbert versus Mahomes around two. Obviously, we only got it once last year in Herbert's first game. 
and we'll see how it goes. I'm hopeful. Um, Storm Norton definitely needs to improve at right tackle. Our run defense needs to improve. Uh, thankfully, the Chiefs don't have a great run offense, but I'm happy that we have Derwin James against Mahomes. Uh, I think that's going to be a big advantage for us that we didn't have last year. And uh, hopefully we can just uh, get some better luck with the refs, and it's going to be a tough win. I think the Chiefs are just going to be playing with a lot of urgency and aggression because now they're tied for last in the division. Obviously, it's only after two weeks, but that's not a good look for them. Really competitive AFC West. Uh, Both the AFC West and the NFC West could both feature three playoff teams in each division this year especially with the added wild card team, would not be surprised if both those divisions had three teams. Overall, I really wish we'd beat the Cowboys just because, you know, those Cowboys fans in my life are are not uh, taking it easy on me. Hopefully we can escape this kind of same old Chargers, uh, late game errors, bad luck with refs, you know, worst mistakes at the wrong time. The great thing is I think Staley's on top of it. I didn't see any egregious coaching errors or or clock management and he got some criticism from some people for not calling timeouts at the last minute but I think timeouts would have just extended the game for the Cowboys to get a closer kick kind of letting the clock run on its own because the Cowboys didn't have great clock management why would we call a timeout for them and it forced them to take a long kick and I think we're just playing for overtime at that point that's the best takeaway for me is that I still have full confidence in Staley he seems to be one of the most uh, dialed in coaches in the whole league at this point and uh, definitely not same old charges from a coaching perspective but from a referee's perspective we can just control we can control and it's easy for uh, every loss to blame it on the referees and I'll keep doing that until further notice just to hit on a few fantasy football things for you fantasy footballers out there if you have Cooper Cup if you took my previous advice and you drafted Cooper Cup uh, good on you he looks like he's going to be the number one receiver in fantasy Nine receptions, 163 yards, and two touchdowns. It was pretty obvious that Cooper Cup was going to be Matt Stafford's favorite receiver. You're coming into a new team. Here's a guy that's always open. You going to throw it to him? Just like Herbert last year, uh, obviously favors Keenan Allen a lot because he's always open. It's a pretty easy decision. On just on my team, obviously I thought Marquez Callaway for the Saints was going to have a big year and based off his preseason performance, but it's not looking too good right now. If he has one more bad performance, he's getting the drop. I have Kyle Pitts and Rob Gronkowski on one of my teams, and I think I'm going to start both of them next week because first week wasn't too good. This last week was better. He went 5 for 73, but Gronk is just on fire. Two touchdowns in both the first two games. Obviously, it's going to slow down at some point, but until then, I think I'm just going to keep playing him. Four receptions, 39 yards, two touchdowns, so... I think I'm going to start Gronk as the flex and keep Pitts at tight end. C.D. Lamb had a good game as well. Najee Harris let me down the first week. Um, had a lot of touches though, so I was hopeful that he would have more production this next week, and he did with uh, his touchdown, receiving touchdown, and you know got some good yards through the air and on the ground. Um, Eckler has bounced back pretty good this season. Eckler's the RB7 so far in fantasy, so happy with that pick. In my other league, I did not take our fantasy advice from me and Matt's pod when he said, when you're doing an auction draft, make sure you put some money aside to get a good quarterback because they'll go and people will outbid you for them and you'll be stuck with trash QBs. And that's what happened to me. I did not take that advice and I got stuck with Kirk Cousins and Jameis Winston. First week I started Kirk Cousins and Jameis went off. 
So I said, oh, I'll start Jameis this week. And then Kirk Cousins goes off on the first play of the game, already ends up with more points than what Jameis had. So I'm going to go back to Kirk Cousins. He's the QB6 right now in fantasy on Yahoo. He's going to have some really bad games at some point, so I'll just have to live with those. But I think he gives me a better chance than Jameis, and I'll probably try to grab someone else off the waivers. I picked up Tony Pollard last week. Um, obviously he had a great game against the Chargers, unfortunately, but he ended with 23.5 points on Yahoo. So he's a a fringe flex play. Obviously he's going to have some good games and bad games, but I think I like Pollard going forward. I also like Hawkinson, had a good game against the Packers on Monday night, and uh, Chubb balled out as well. Julio, I got stuck with him. It was my own mistake. I was trying to drive up the bid in our auction and got stuck with Julio Jones, who I didn't really want for like 20 bucks. The first game I got really worried and then the coach called him out and I thought either that could be a good thing or a really bad thing. It ended up being a good thing. He bounced back this last week. He had uh, six grabs for 128 yards. Still no touchdowns for Julio, which seems to be the trend over his career. So I love fantasy. I love winning, especially when I got Eckler and then I'm throwing out my uh, screenshots of my winning post because he's giving away a free jersey to someone signed. Uh, if you start him in your fantasy and you win. So maybe don't do that because it'll decrease my odds of winning, but just a heads up that he's doing that if you haven't already seen it. All right, that's it for the podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, jump on Halftime app with us, and you can either follow along and comment in our chat, or you can actually request to speak on the app and uh, jump in and chat with us, and we're going to be posting those as podcasts afterwards. So thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Chiefs Week 3. Thanks for joining us on My Wife Hates Sports. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen. Also follow us on Instagram at Sports underscore. 